What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Null Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler, Tallahassee Democrat, here with Antoine Staley. We both cover uh, Florida State. It is still, I mean, I feel like we say this every episode, it is still a uh, busy time in Florida State athletics right now. But the uh, the highlight, I mean, it's a busy month all around, but especially, I mean, the, the football game Saturday, kind of a... Uh, a bow on, I mean, finally the first full spring kind of for Mike Norvell and the FSU football program, I guess. What were your, what were your initial impressions? Just kind of looking at how the game played out. Uh, I mean, I thought it was, uh, you look at the quarterback situation and I think that's where everybody kind of wants to look at, obviously, uh, the race between Milton and Jordan Travis. And I think both guys made a compelling case for the starting job. I thought Milton played as well as he did. All spring, to be completely honest with you, I thought he uh, he was fantastic. Uh, had some accuracy on the ball, and also his mobility, which I think we both touched on in various articles throughout the spring. That you know he's completely healthy. You've seen it, uh, whether it be you know scrambling in the pocket or also showing his uh, mobility outside of the pocket too, as well, and using his legs to gain ground, gain yards on the ground. So I was definitely impressed with that. Jordan Travis has definitely made his case as far as. Um, being the starting quarterback too as well um he's definitely it seems like he got a little bit more of a knowledge of the offense um second year in and especially the spring has definitely helped him too as well so yeah i think that and also the young guys too as well i think looking at some of the young guys we t- uh I, was, I wrote about article about malik mcclain uh, i thought he kind of made his case there for some playing time too we'll see how things manifest throughout the spring and the fall but, yeah, I definitely like what I say out of him, Josh Burrell, too, as well. I think the running game is going to be strong, too, there. And, you know, defensively, I definitely think, you know, rush, them rushing the passer was definitely an issue a year ago. And, you know, you're getting a guy like Jermaine Johnson. Uh, I definitely think he is somebody that could have a big impact on that, too, as well. So that, there was a lot of different things that stood out. But, yeah, I definitely think um, if you're looking for some signs of encouragement, I definitely think you kind of took that from the spring game on Saturday. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, nothing. I, I wrote about it in the in the column I kind of wrote after the game. Nothing will make you miss a off-season intra-squad scrimmage more than kind of going a year without it. And I think the, the fans there who braved some weather to be there, obviously still a, a COVID-reduced crowd. Hopefully it's the last time we have to uh, say that inside Dope Campbell Stadium. There is, I mean, Florida State, I know, still hopeful and planning as of now to have a full crowd come uh, September fifth against Notre Dame but I mean the crowd braved some elements it was a pretty rough day weather-wise it cleared up nicely maybe some rain but but none of the severe weather that happened earlier in the day for the game and you could see in Mike Norvell and addressing the crowd after I guess just how much it meant I, he didn't get emotional but he was just very passionate as he can often be in those settings and just thanking them and and talking about the climb and what's going to take to get back there but yeah no I mean it was a what you liked, and we've talked so much about, I know, the second scrimmage and how dominated it was by the defense. And really, we've seen the defense dominate a lot this spring. We've seen a Florida State offensive line that's banged up, struggle to contain the pass rush. We've seen wide receivers that's a kind of young group that doesn't have that standout one or two guys yet. We've seen them kind of struggle against a really competitive group of DBs that are definitely healthier than they were a year ago. And I think uh, the spring game showed, I mean, it was a nice back and forth. I mean, yeah, the, the defense got a lot of sacks. It helps that, A, like I said, the offensive line were down four or five guys who could contribute and would have contributed before plenty of guys who were playing. And, I, I mean, it 
it uh, it helps obviously that I mean you only have to touch the quarterback for it to be a sack. And I'm not sure all of the sacks would have been sacks, but you saw that. But you also saw, I mean, the the two guys you mentioned who are really in the quarterback competition both lead really promising drives against the uh, first team defense. It was the nice back and forth ebb and flow that you want to see because I would say, I mean, we talked about. If one side is dominating, it probably doesn't bode well for the other side. And it was not the case Saturday. I think both sides kind of found their opportunities. Yeah, and I think uh, Kenny Dillahan, the offensive coordinator, touched on that yesterday in the Zoom that, you know, you look, he wants it to be a quarterback competition for him. I think it's a good thing. It's healthy for for the team. And also those guys, too, as well said, he thinks Milton is really raising the bar for the rest of the quarterback room. And, you know, looking at, you know, how things have gone throughout the spring, I, I kind of agree with him. I definitely think – you know, just having a guy there that's had success there at a high level at a program that's been to major bowl games in UCF and coming in. And, yes, he suffered a major injury, but you're having a guy that's been there that's played, like I say, played in some big games. And these players see that, too, and they, I think some of that is starting to rub off on the rest of the guys, and not just at the quarterback room, but also think just the rest of the team there as well. It's kind of, you know, you're setting the trend there. Uh, for the rest of the program, too, as well, having the guy come in like that. And, you know, Milton's only going to be there a year, but having a guy like that could just, you know, have big-time ramifications, positive ramifications for your program even after he leaves and um, after that because you're setting the tone for the rest of the rest of the program and even the guys that come in after him. So, yeah, I definitely think um, – so far, like I said, we'll, we, you know, it's, I don't think it's really a, one, a leader in the clubhouse right now, but we'll see how it goes, uh, especially once fall camp gets wrapped up. But it's definitely going to be fun to watch uh, those guys go at it once again and also some of the other positions as well that need to be determined as well. I, no, I agree with you on the quarterbacks. Is that I, 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 I wonder kind of inside the program, obviously it's not something they're going to broadcast out right now, who they kind of have maybe in the driver's seat, or if they have someone in the driver's seat, honestly, right now, or if they could honestly look at us and say, no, we don't. Because, I mean, the thing is, truthfully, I mean, Mackenzie Milton got somewhat better as the spring went on. Yeah. But I, but that being said, Jordan Travis started from a place, I mean, it helps having the knowledge of the playbook he did that Mackenzie Milton did not. But Jordan Travis, I mean, it was not especially a competition for much of spring. Most days, even if Mackenzie Milton looked gradually better, Jordan Travis was consistently the best quarterback out there. Right. Now, it seems like there's something to be said for the, uh, I mean, the, it's an intangible, almost the guys who are gamers, who when the lights are on, when the fans are in attendance, turn it on. And I wonder how much of that is the case with a guy like Mackenzie Milton, because he looked, like you said, I mean, as good as he has all spring. I mean, the throw to, Mal- to Malik McClain, the diving catch he had to make, was a perfectly perfectly thrown ball a beautiful pass on the next play to brian robinson and i mean he like you said he's moved well all spring that's never been his problem it's been pretty impressive how well he moves considering he's a what two and a half less than two and a half years removed from a brutal injury that originally there was fear that his leg might be uh amputated so yeah i mean he's always been moving well but he really showed the throwing ability that he has not a lot in the spring and it makes it a competition that it really wasn't for the majority of spring. Yeah, and also I thought, you know, if you've been out there for practice, I was out there as well and, you know, tend to be, I think the offense kind of struggled at times a lot, especially during those scrimmages that the defense just kind of suffocated on whether it be um, some missed assignments, drop balls, 
uh, whatever the case may be, overthrown passes. Uh, uh, other thing that was maybe consistent at times was some of the running backs in, in the running game. But overall, I definitely think the offense kind of struggled um, doing some of those scrimmages. So, yeah, to just, to go, just to have the performance that they did during uh, the spring game, I definitely think it, uh, it's shown that they've grown throughout the whole you know the 15 practices that they had, and I like I said, I definitely think it's it's going to be interesting to see can they keep up that same momentum heading into the uh, the summer and also the fall too as well. Because now you know the players are going to have to be on their own and work out for a little bit, and you know they'll go home to see their families, wrapping up academics and things of that nature too before coming back to, uh, to school. But yeah, I definitely think it was a positive step in the right direction, especially offensively, defensively too. I definitely think they did some games too as well, uh, especially some of the younger guys as well. But yeah, they, uh, it's definitely a positive direction, uh, especially considering some of the struggles the offense have had throughout the course of the spring. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about the defense, obviously the pass rush. I mean, they've got a, uh, a bona fide pass rush weapon in Jermaine Johnson. They probably haven't had since uh, Brian Burns. Back in 2018 was his his last year at FSU, and I mean he Jermaine Johnson sure looks the part of the uh, the guy who will fill that role, and I think that will do wonders. The attention he'll kind of command will do a lot for everyone else, and you saw some of that. I mean, you saw obviously some of it was against like we talked about walk on offensive linemen or players like that who aren't going to be near the field in an actual game setting. But I mean, you just saw that the pass rush, and that there's there's I think optimism within the program that it's not just going to be. Jermaine Johnson and I mean the DBs that's I mean obviously a group that they had a real focus on this offseason adding three transfers a number of uh, incoming freshmen one of whom Kevin Knowles already on campus and had an interception in the spring game the uh, the competition there looks uh it looks pretty intense I mean you, you look at guys who were definitely not 100% last year guys like Jerry and Jones guys like Travis Jay Akeem Dent, guys that were going through stuff and they seem now refreshed and you see maybe more of what FSU thought they were getting in those players and they didn't entirely uh, live up to the potential. Do I think the defense is going to be great, maybe borderline top 25 this year? No, but I don't think they're going to be like kind of just the uh, sieve of big play after big play allowed like they kind of were at times last year. Yeah, I think I think part of that was just not having the spring at all, and you're kind of learning on the fly. I definitely think, you know, having that spring session this year and, you know, the players getting acclimated with the defense there and having a better grasp of it a year in uh, definitely certainly helps. Last year it was just kind of like, you know, you really have that spring um, session, and then you come into the fall, and now you're playing catch-up, and, you know, you got a new head coach, new defensive coordinator, uh yeah, it do everything really, and now all of a sudden, like you're you're supposed to translate that into the field. So it was kind of trial by fire, pretty much. That's kind of what it was. That's why I equate the defense there too as well. But yeah, I definitely think you're seeing signs of definitely improvement there, and that's all you want. I, you look, it's I still think yeah, like you said, I, I don't know if it's gonna be a great defense, but I think anything, almost anything, would be an improvement to what we saw last year, and I definitely think. They can do that too as well. I, I will. I, I want to ask you this too as well, especially considering all the injuries that they have on the offensive line. Do you think they can? They, they may target another one uh, as far as the transfer portal as well. Yes, I, I mean we thought that was the case before spring. It didn't. Here's the thing. I don't think that not much about the spring changed my belief that they should. I still think they could stand to. I don't think it's a desperate, desperate need, but I think if the right person comes along, they will, but I'm not overreacting 
to the spring or trying not to because I mean that was a they were so shallow that I think they had two walk ons running with the second team. Yeah. That, and that's not obviously the normal case for the offensive line. So I mean, no doubt it was it was nightmare reminders kind of the of 2017, 18, 19 offensive line play in that spring game, but it was also pretty far from removed from the unit. I think they're gonna have a on the field, even when they got a guy like B Baby on Johnson back for the last couple of spring practices and for the spring game, he was not, he hadn't been around all spring and that definitely has an impact. So I, I do think they, if the right person comes around, they will, but I don't think they're in a situation where they need to take someone just to take someone where that maybe was the more case the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I think, um, I agree with you. I think, uh, they, maybe for depth purposes, I think it might be good. Uh, just to, or if you can get somebody who's a standout correct. who can be your starting right tackle, left tackle. Correct. Cause you know, we all know injuries are going to happen down the line and you don't want to necessarily what's happened, what has happened, you know, them being so depleted in the spring to kind of manifest itself during the regular season. And we've kind of seen what that looks like. So that's kind of why I was like, yeah, they, I could definitely see that. But, yeah, I don't necessarily know. I don't think their offensive line is in dire need like it has been throughout the course. I mean, throughout the last few years, I definitely think it's a unit that has improved, uh, you know, pretty good deal there as well and like getting the guys that they have. But, yeah, I just wonder as far as, far as depth purposes, especially with some of the injuries that they had, I definitely think it might be an option that they might decide, to, depending on who may or may not be uh, available. Yeah, I mean, it's a – it's a weird situation. I mean, you talked about, and rightfully so, just how much they benefited or and are going to benefit from a, a complete spring. But I think they're going to benefit just as much from a, a complete summer. I mean, they came back in, I think, June or July last year after having kind of all been in their respective hometowns and away from the, kind of the facility for like three months. And so, I mean, they're, obviously the focus right now is closing out the semester, academic stuff of that sort. But they're gonna they're gonna benefit from what's to come, no doubt, and be able to build on that, and not gonna have it interrupted in that way too. So that will uh, it will speak to a lot of just I mean how much the team can uh, can can maximize the uh, the off season. Will uh, results? Here's the thing: expectations I don't think are gonna be out the out the like crazy crazy high for 2021, but I think everybody wants and needs to some people to see improvement so i mean it, it, it's hard to overstate how how critical this offseason is because of that yeah i i, I just want to you know i think bowl game that's the, that's what people want to see some kind of postseason appearance uh obviously that's not the standard at fsu but at the same time it's a start especially considering uh the la how the last few years have been so i definitely think you want to see a postseason appearance also get those assuming everything's going to be back to normal which it seems like well whatever that is close to normal as possible football wise you want to see those extra practices that the team could have leading up to whatever bowl game they should get into. So, yeah, I think uh, that's that's a positive step in the right direction. Uh, ultimately, is that the main goal that Florida State? No, but again, you know, you want to make those steps too as well. And I think it's important to make those steps too. Bowl game, and then you know, trying to climb up and trying to eventually reach and compete for ACC championships, and then ultimately, you know, national championships down the line too. But again, you're coming off a season where you uh, where you finished way under five hundred. And you struggled at times, especially under Mike Dorvell, for a lot of different reasons. But, yeah, I definitely think getting to a bowl game, I think, would be beneficial for this team next year. In the words of uh, Mike Norvell and I suppose also Miley Cyrus, is the climb.
I mean, yeah. it's about that uh, that gradual progress. And yeah, that that has to start. I think this year. I don't think Mike Norvell's on any kind of hot seat. I really don't see a timeline, especially because of the impacts of the COVID, the coronavirus pandemic, where he has a less than two year tenure, like Willie Taggart. But how, how this year goes kind of affects a lot of the perception of how he uh, enters year three. And I mean, it's just, uh, I, it's hard to, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to overstate it and it makes everything that's to come and leading into, I mean, a, a really tough start to the 2021 season at home against Notre Dame. I mean, it, it makes all of it so important. I think it might be worth doing now, maybe at some point kind of reevaluating uh, our, our record predictions. I know we kind of went game by game. I'd be interested to see uh, how yours had changed and think about, I guess, how mine has changed now too. I guess it, kind of putting a bow on spring football, we can talk a little more here. Is there a group, we talked offensive line, outside of them maybe, to talk about someone else, a group that you feel better and a position group you feel worse about coming out of the spring? Uh, I, I think if you talk about um, better, I, I kind of like defensive backs. I kind of do. I think I definitely liked uh, some of the, the movement that they've had. I definitely thought they played – they were solid. I mean, it wasn't great at times, but they were consistently – I feel like throughout the course, whether you saw them on 11-on-11 drills throughout the course of practice or the scrimmages or also the spring game, I feel feel a lot better about the defensive backs and the secondary than I did even last year, who I thought uh, at times it was kind of – they might have been lost at times or they they struggled. So I I definitely think that's a unit where I feel like – I think think they're in a better place still as well, especially with some of the transfer, uh, like a Jeremy Jeremy as well. So – yeah, I definitely think they're in a much better place. Worse about, um, like I, as much as I, I like the young guys and Burrell and also um, Malik McLean, but the receivers still, I feel like they need to be a little bit more consistent. I would have hoped like they would take a little bit more of a more of a jump than what they had. Yeah, sure. I think at times, especially in doing the spring game. I mean, spring game. I thought they, you know, played the part. I thought they made some good plays too, as well. But you know, I think just looking at them and evaluate them from the entire spring, that I just think there's a whole lot of inconsistency. There was some days it was really good, and some days it was really, really not so good either, too, as well. So I definitely think just having that consistency, and that's kind of what we saw. You know, I think a lot more or less not so good last year, especially once Terry opted out. So I definitely think they need a lot more consistency, especially who, no matter who the quarterback is going to be um, this upcoming fall, too, as well. And, yeah, I think it's good to have guys like Burrell and also McLean there, too, as well. But I don't know how much you want to rely on young freshmen, especially in the moment. And especially when you got a national TV game on a Sunday night against Notre Dame um, in the bright lights. Uh, you run a lot too much on freshmen, you know. So I, I think that's a unit where I definitely think I still was a little disappointed by. Yeah, no, I, I think both of those are fair. I think the, the thing worth mentioning with receivers and kind of the caveat I keep bringing up, not to take away from what Malik McClain did, but we've seen the ups and downs. He, w- he was very up at a huge moment, and I think it's encouraging that he handled the moment of the spring game pretty well, but still there's been some up and down. I think the caveat I kind of keep mentioning with them is that, I mean, he still hasn't signed, but Andrew Parchment, the yes. uh, Kansas wide receiver transfers to get here in the summer. And I mean, that's that infusion of experience, even if it's not on a great team or a high powered offense, he individually, I mean, he, uh, 
it was a pretty brutal the the tape he filmed or shared a couple months ago on Twitter of how excited he was to come to FSU is a uh, a tape of highlights from last year and the highlights were uh, him running wide open and not getting thrown to or overthrown or off target throw and it was a it was kind of an unhighlight tape if you will and so I think he is kind of ready to play with quarterbacks who can get him the ball and I think he could be that boost I think also Destin Hill I mean he's the guy when you look at the three freshmen they signed and we've seen glimpses for sure from McLean and Josh Burrell but he was the highest rated of all of them and he's a guy who could definitely step in and I think make a year one impact now if he's able to kind of come in and have the consistency that maybe the other freshmen didn't come in with we'll see if not he's probably not going to play a ton this year but I am interested to see how that uh changes things uh, a group I think is worth touching on, especially, I mean, when you look at the linebackers and they lose a guy like Emmett Rice just a couple practices into spring. And, I mean, we still haven't kind of nailed down from Norvell a timeline of when they can expect him back. I know the last we heard it was it could be an extended time, and yeah. you hope for his sake that doesn't go into the fall and he's able to be healthy to kind of start fall camp in August. But I know uh, Florida State is, is counting some lucky stars with how much experience they got guys like Steven Dix Jr. and DJ Lundy last year kind of having to step into bigger roles. And I know a guy that Adam Fuller was also pretty uh, high on there was uh, Kalen Deloach. No doubt that unit will be much better if they're able to get Emmett back. But I think last year and how it played out in terms of how much they relied on those younger guys is definitely benefiting that group now when they're without Emmett Rice. I think um, just the linebacking group too as well. Yeah, I definitely think they they um, definitely showed a lot of good signs there in the spring too as well. I, I mean, last year I think missed tackles was such a big issue too as well. And uh, especially when you talk about the running game and stopping the run. And yeah, some of that is on the defensive line, a lot of that. But also when, you know, running bats and, you know, also, you know, maybe short passes with receivers got to the second level. Yeah, I thought like it was some missed tackles too as well, and uh, guys missed assignments and uh, whatever the case may be. Though I don't think you've seen as much of that during the course of the spring too as well. Now, obviously, you're playing against the same people every single day, and you know it's a little different when you're playing a different opponent. But you know, I definitely think they've shown encouraging signs too as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see can they, like I say again, keep up the same momentum that they that they've gained throughout the course of the spring. Can they carry that over? And yeah, I definitely think they've taken some positive stuff. I think the defense as a whole really has so some encouraging signs throughout the course of the spring. Yeah. It'll be uh, worth keeping an eye on. I mean, Norvell talked candidly about it's great that I feel like we built the momentum in spring, but if they don't carry that same mentality into the summer and into the start of fall, then that momentum ain't going to mean anything and it's going to be gone. So, I mean, the important thing is, uh, just, I mean, Continuing that, I mean, you talked about it, building on the momentum, carrying it forward. They weren't able to do it last year, Canada this year. That will, I think, determine a lot about kind of where this team is at coming into the year. I mean, we'll uh, we'll touch on, I'm sure, plenty more uh, football over the coming months. I'm sure we'll have some uh, cool interviews to kind of uh, put together there. But uh, we can move on now. I mean, it's been a uh, – outside of just, I mean, the spring game and the, the football team as a whole, it's been a pretty uh, – newsworthy month in terms of announcements of that sort for the uh, FSU football program. When you look at the announcement, I think it was April 1st, uh, where they got approval to start raising money for a proposal of kind of new seats, renovations to Dope Campbell Stadium, kind of sideline suite area, club area, if you will. And then uh, Monday, we're recording this on Wednesday, Monday afternoon or morning was the announcement of the Apex, the name, image, and likeness uh, 
program that Florida State has has launched. It seems like it's a, as far as I can tell, a first of its kind because Florida State and the state of Florida gets an advantage on that. And then today, Wednesday, they announced the uh, updated renderings of the football only facility. They don't have a timeline yet, but the uh, football operations building, I think, is what they actually call it. And just uh, it's been an eventful uh, two weeks in terms of major updates and kind of staying with the times for the Florida State football program. Yeah, I think the just the football facility obviously is huge. Uh, no matter, I mean, you're in a big time conference like the ACC. You're trying to compete for recruits there. I think it's mandatory just to have a big time football facility too, as well. So obviously that's a big uh, addition too, as well. The lightness thing, uh, we've kind of seen that coming from you know various other sources and NCAA I mean it's coming down the pipe like that's kind of how it is now and I definitely think um, it's going to be interesting to see how all of that trickles out too as well so I definitely think um, that that's that was huge uh, I definitely think not only for FSU but I think for just the rest of the programs around the nation too as well we're definitely in a different time where you know we're going to get to a point where players are getting paid for their likeness and um, it's been a big you know red button topic or some players should be should be paid based off name, or should they be paid at all, really? Uh, but, yeah, it seems like that's the direction that we're going in. Um, uh, EA Sports months ago talked about bringing back uh, NCAA football. I imagine that's going to play a role into that, them bringing that back too as well, play, being able to pay those players for their likeness and name too as well, even though it may not be, you know, they're going to get rich off of it, but just get some kind of income there too as well for the players. I definitely think it's going to be a big deal too as well. And then also you talked about the renovations too as well uh, for Dope Campbell Stadium. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, I, anytime, you know, you're keeping up there. We've seen other programs renovate their stadiums. Obviously, you know, the one everybody will talk about is Alabama, who's the, on top of college football right now. They continue to renovate Ryan Denny Stadium and have done so for years. And, you know, you got to keep up with the Joneses, and you, that's who you're chasing, too, teams like that. And, you know, it's important to keep up with your building and keep up uh, with the times and the other programs that's having success, too, as well. So it seems like they're definitely doing a good job of that. Um, even though, like I say, it's been a struggle for everybody in the last 13 months or so, of course, with the pandemic going on. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the case. If you look at the, in terms of money, obviously the football only, a lot of that money has been pledged and some's already been raised. They've already gotten $100 million in pledges, which was the Unconquered campaign, the main campaign that's going towards that. And I think they actually have $43 million of that hundred million in hand. So, I mean, obviously that's not a new thing of that's not coming out of or affected by the pandemic, but obviously uh, some people are upset about it. I mean, in writing that story, I, I, there was a distinction. It it very much felt like a a Twitter, Facebook distinction with any kind of goes along with kind of the age lines of traditionally who uses those apps that, uh, I mean, it seemed like there was a group of people who were very for the uh, renovations, the reducing capacity by about 10,000, more premium seats, more varying types of experiences. There were a large contingent who were against it. Whatever your thoughts, I mean, it's the way college football is going. I mean, you have to increase the experience to compete with what's now a really full-fledged, grown experience of watching it at home, you know, and that's just how it is. More people are more and more tempted to stay home because the home watching college football experience is so great now. So you have to make the experience better to incentivize a lot of people going. And I think it's, it's brilliant by Michael Alford and uh, Florida state. I mean, name, image and likeness, the uh, video they put out the other day was a 
it was brilliant. I yeah. thought of just, I mean, talking about like, we want to help you make your brand and Florida state's going to be offering credit, like four credit classes, college classes about how to build your brand and stuff of that sort along with that. And I know there's going to be a, I think it's like an app where right after whatever game for whatever sport you play, you're going to be able to go look and share photos and videos of yourself from that game. I mean, that's going to be uploaded quickly. And that's like a really cool thing that, I mean, it's using to your advantage the fact that this hasn't been approved nationally yet. The nationally, uh, the national NCAA and stuff like that, they kind of are dragging their feet. Yeah. And Florida, Florida's goes into effect in July, July 1st. Florida, Florida's name, image, and likeness legislation goes into effect. So, and Florida's in a small bunch of, uh, of, of states in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something smart to use to their advantage. And they're, they're doing it really exceptionally well, I think. Yeah, I, I, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, yep. it's a matter of it's yeah. a matter of when. It's yeah. no longer if. Yeah, people, some people are still resistant to it. Exactly. But, you got the old speed people coming. Like they don't want to do it, but it's coming. We all know it. We all see it. Like whether NCAA wants to acknowledge it or not, we, we know it's coming. Like it's the matter. The quicker they do it, the better off they'll be. The one, the ones that the states that don't want to accept that change, then they're the ones going to be falling behind too. Florida understands that this is a big time football state. We better get up on it now, and it could be help not only you know, a school like Florida State, but all of the teams in the in the whole entire state too, as well. So I definitely think it's in the advantage to get on top of that and be um, proactive about that instead of being reactive later on. I think you talked about too as well. Uh, I want to touch on this definitely. Some people aren't happy about you know the renovations. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is. Football brings in revenue. I mean, I, let's just, you know, I don't want to break around the bush, too, but that's just kind of yeah, a lot of schools. That's what it is, um, especially a school like FSU. You know, it's football is a big in the community. You know, you look at a lot of schools, that's kind of the case, too, as well. You know, is it necessarily fair? No. But at the same time, you know, they're bringing in revenue and the way to keep up with continue to bring in revenue and continue to try to win at a high level is to compete. And the way that you do that was continue to upgrade your facilities, whether it be your stadium or your football facility, uh, football facility or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, you have to keep up with that. You can't just, you know, where other teams are, you know, you want to be on the same playing field as them. And the only way to do that is the way to just keep upgrading your facilities. You can't just let it fall behind because that's going to reflect recruiting and a lot of other things too as well. So that's just the reality of it. You know, I know some people aren't happy about it, but, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. And in truth, Florida State has already fallen behind in, in some of those ways. I mean, I, you look at a place like Clemson that for a number of years now has had its football facility up and running. Yeah. And obviously, Florida State is going to be different. I mean, I, I people have talked to Candley about that there's not going to be the slide or the barbershop or the recording studio in Florida State's facility that you're seeing in a lot of the other ones, stuff like that. It's going to be focused on the development of the, uh, of the student-athlete. And I mean, but yeah, I mean, you, you talked about kind of staying caught up and Florida State hasn't been. And obviously this plan was originally announced in September of 2018, literally the day before Willie Tigert's first game at FSU. What a uh, what a naive time that was for, for all of us. But it, it was originally supposed to be opened July 2021 this summer in just a few months right before the start of the season. Obviously. That's no longer the case. They haven't shared an updated timeline for the football operations building yet. But I, in a way, I think 
the the delay is going to be worth it because I think the rendering they have now compared to the old one looks much better. They're losing what thirty yards, I think, of outdoor of one of the outdoor practice fields, and kind of it L shapes around and it cuts out into where the practice field is now. But that leaves them one full outdoor field, a full indoor field, and over half of another field, about seventy percent. It looks it's much bigger. It looks better aesthetically. It just. It, it, it just all around, I think they got it more right this time. And this one, I mean, we'll see when we kind of get an idea of a, of a timeline because no doubt Mike Norvell wants this to happen ASAP. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you want it to happen. Not that I don't, you know, he's not, like you said, he's not on the hot seat or anything, but the quicker, the sooner the better because, like I say, all that stuff helps the uh, recruiting. And, you know, you see it and you're competing against a team like Clemson that has all these amenities uh, as far as their facilities too as well. You got to find some way to keep up with that and uh, compete with that. And the best way to do that is with a um, brand new facility like that. So yeah, you have to, like you say, you have to keep up with the times because if you don't, then like I say, you're obviously falling behind and recruiting and everything like that. And teams will use it against them and they have. And I think, I think a lot of them have been using that against the FSU. And that's kind of where I think you've seen that, um, with some of the recruiting throughout the course of the year, although FSU has a really good recruiting class, at least uh, as far as uh, right now coming in for 2022 projector-wise. But, yeah, you definitely have to keep up with those times because um, these other schools are doing the same thing and you, you can't afford to fall behind in that whole perspective. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a, a big month of, uh, of news in terms of just keeping up, like you said, for the uh, Florida State football program. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have plenty more for them as the uh, offseason progresses. For now, we can move ahead. Uh, we can talk, I guess, we, we know more. Last time, I think we talked about the uncertainty surrounding basketball and what yeah. this offseason is going to look like. I mean, it's – I don't want to say it's worst-case scenario so far because, like, other stuff could happen. You could have – lost someone that you really didn't think you were going to lose. But I think we thought they could very well lose Raekwon. There's a maybe a chance they lose Balsa, but we don't think they lose both. And as it turns out, both seem to be gone. From what from what we're hearing, it seems like not only are both declaring, but they're signing with agents. They are Their, their college careers are done. I know uh, Sadar Calhoun left the door open. I think that surprised both of us. I think we both expect him back. This is just for maybe getting that feedback. But Scotty Barnes, you expected to be gone. The other two were a little more questionable. It seems like you are going to be replacing a good bit off next year, on next year's team. Yeah, I, I thought Raekwon was going to go just because I thought it was trending in that direction because of the way he had been playing you know, the last two months of the season. Uh, I thought his draft stock had really risen probably as high as it's ever going to get. So I figured, you know what, okay, he probably should just go ahead and come out because I don't know I don't know him coming back to school for another year is going to, you know, help necessarily help it. So, And it's, it's basketball with a sport where, you know, a lot of these guys come out when they're 19, 20 years old. Um, he's already kind of behind the curve of that in regard as well. And he got his degree, so it might as well just go ahead and come out. So I figured, okay, he probably will. So him and Scotty, I figured would come out. Yeah, Sador, obviously Sador, yeah, they definitely, uh, you hit me up about that on Twitter. I was like, yeah, that definitely, the surprise out of all of them. But yeah, I do expect him to come back and I definitely think he'll be a big contribution to their bench next year. Balsa was kind of like borderline for me. I thought if he had came back to school and, you know, I definitely think he had an opportunity to, you know, be a first round pick potentially, maybe not a lottery pick, but necessarily, but I definitely think he could have been, you know, one of those in the, picks in the 20s depending on how he played and you know he elevated his game from his freshman and sophomore year 
And I definitely thought he had an opportunity to do that from his sophomore to his junior year. But I guess he got, you know, some some scouts or somebody like he got enough great, better grade, better grade than he expected or a grade that he thought, OK, I should go ahead and come out now as opposed to maybe staying in school another year. So, you know, maybe he's a second round pick, too, and maybe he's cool with that. Uh, I don't necessarily know. I, I really thought he was going to come back to school there as well. But, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, you definitely lose uh, three quality guys. You lose three, two starters and one guy, Scotty Barnes, who could be so who's like essentially a starter so you're essentially using three starters of uh, off your team and yeah as good as the recruiting class that they have coming in I definitely think it still stings a little bit uh with the losses that they have uh yeah I know I well and truthfully it'll probably end up being four starters I think we both I, MJ Walker could use that extra year of of eligibility but I don't think either of us expect him to. He very much, I mean, I know he kind of, he got asked after the Michigan loss about, have you thought about coming back? And he kind of said, I've got to have some conversations. And he could, but he answered some questions right before that, talking about, I mean, his, uh, the end of his Florida State career. And obviously he had a real big senior day moment. So unless something changed there, I don't, I think we're expecting that to be them losing four starters. And I mean, only one of them is a senior. The other three are kind of leaving earlier than they have to. And I mean, obviously that speaks to a good thing and that's going to happen when you're building a program up, but it's tough because that's going to put some guys, the loss, the loss of Balsa is going to, unless you got added somewhere else through the transfer portal, which is definitely possible. It's going to push some guys into much bigger roles next year, especially those bigs. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was huge hit losing him. Like I, like I say, I expected Gray to leave. I expected Scotty Barnes to leave, but you're losing him. And I thought, like I say, he just having that space. And I thought he got better uh, throughout the course of the season too, as well. Um, he, he showed his long range, like his extended range as far as shooting, uh, the rebounding, I thought got better block shots. Uh, I think across the board, he really improved his game. And uh, I think they were hoping that he could demonstrate that next year too, as well. And uh, now, you know, you kind of lose that, um, that key figure, that veteran presence there, especially in the middle, it hurts. It definitely hurts there too as well. So I'll be interested to see kind of, you know, we touched on it. I think the last time we spoke on the podcast, like where did we think they're going to be projected as far as ACC and how, you know, we've already kind of seen it with their early rankings too early. And uh, I think some, I've seen some people pick them second in the ACC too as well. I've seen uh, first as well. I, I assume the def- departures will definitely affect that too as well. And um, I-, I guess I'll ask you just kind of, do you still see them as being, should they be the favorites for the ACC or do you think they are, or, or are you, do you think they're going to be the favorites coming out, especially with all the losses that they're going to endure? Yeah, it's a good question that has, has all of that changed things. They're still going to be very good, but I, I, it, it, I think a lot of me believing that was based off of, balsa back and no doubt it's a big loss because i mean he did get better as the year progressed no doubt he also i think the michigan game kind of showed how much more he could stand to grow you know i mean he uh, was going up against a real solid i mean an all-american type big there and i think he could have had a a real special season and been a real factor for fsu if he'd come back for one more year obviously i think he was ready to get paid and that's perfectly understandable but it I, I, I'm not sure. I'll have to do probably more of a roster deep dive. We also have to see how this settles. I mean, there's still so much going on with the transfer portal. And if they weren't counting on losing Balsa, which I don't think they were, that probably opens up a uh, scholarship for next year where they're able to add another guy at this point, probably through the uh, 
transfer portal. And I, I would imagine if they were pursuing that, they would, from what I've seen, I know some people have reported guys FSU's reached out to it's some high quality guys. So that could change that too. There's so much unknown, but it, it forces me to reevaluate a little. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think um, for me, like this, this transfer portal has been the craziest I've ever seen. Like, and, yeah, and that's, yeah. it's not even just with basketball. It's been football in general. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Well, like, it's I, the one-time transfer rule that I think uh, is finally going to be approved this week. It was supposed to be approved, I think, in January, and this week they kind of pushed it off. And today it's finally getting passed to where everybody gets to transfer once for free. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been it's like wow, wow, West. It's like incredible. Like how many people are transferring and trying to look out. Like they're trying to go from maybe a situation where it didn't work out to a better situation there too as well with FSU provides a lot of good opportunities for a lot of different players where you know you might have been in the smaller school and you get and you see you know they have some deflections there and you open and some scholarships open up you might decide okay that might be a situation where I can come in and play right away and also play in the ACC a team in the ACC that compete for a championship last next year so yeah I definitely think um it's a lot to be determined um, but yeah, def- like I say again, I think the Bosa loss was definitely a, a big blow, a bigger blow than I think uh, they were anticipating this off season. Yeah, no doubt it'll be uh, interesting. I mean, we'll uh, we'll be touching on them, I'm sure, plenty more in the coming months if they do add somebody or if they kind of stay put with uh, with what they have. It will be uh, an interesting storyline in terms of how it affects their ceiling entering next season. We uh, we can touch on a little. Uh, Baseball here in the uh, in the back end. I Florida State uh, lost last night at Florida in extra innings. Or yeah, it was in the tenth. Yes, yes. yeah, extra innings. Yeah, yeah, walk off homer they allowed after a really low scoring, non offensive game. I think both teams had like four to five hits. So it, I mean, they split the season series with Florida. It's an unfortunate downward trend for them. I mean, they at a time where they really couldn't afford to do so have now lost four or five given three of those are against really good teams in Louisville and Florida, but it's a, it's an unfortunate trend at the wrong moment for them. Yeah. I definitely think um, it's, it's been like, it's either one thing or the other with this team. It's either been, they've gotten good pitching, but they couldn't hit like you saw against Florida or you get really get hitting or, and you're not getting sufficient support with the pitching. And I think we've seen that throughout the course of this losing streak. And of course it throughout the course of the season too, as well. Uh, Right now, yeah, I definitely think uh, I, I was like I said, I spoke to Meet about this early on in the week, and yeah, he he's touched on it, and you know, just said that you know it's the time of the year where guys have to pick each other up, and you know, you're getting the crunch time too as well. They're they're more than halfway throughout the course of the season too as well. You're getting more into the meat of the ACC schedule. Uh, they had a lot of home games early on in the season. So you're not going to have as many come later on. Uh, you're going to have some road games. You're going to have some home games too as well. But, uh, yeah, it's it's crunch time for them too as well. Uh, they, they got knocked out of the top 25 too as well. So uh, I'll be curious to see how they play the rest of the way too. I still think this is a team that's going to make the tournament. You know, where they are uh, in the NCAA tournament, I, it remains to be seen. But, yeah, uh, it could be a team where I definitely think they could be um, potentially on that bubble um, moving forward, depending on if they can pick up their play the rest of the season. No doubt. I mean, this this weekend against Boston College is huge for them. And not to take away from Boston College, but it's by far the easiest series left on their schedule. Because, I mean, you look at after after Boston College, they're closing it out with at Georgia Tech. They have the week against Troy in a non-ACC series. 
uh, at Notre Dame, and that Notre Dame team is really, really good, like an Omaha contender out of nowhere, borderline top 10. Uh, home against Clemson, no joke, and then at NC State. And yeah. NC State, after a really rough start to ACC play, has been playing a lot better lately. So, I mean, that is a – it works both ways. It is a tough schedule where wins aren't going to be easy to come by. It's also a schedule where the more wins you get, a lot of them are going to be really good teams. So that's going to help your RPI tremendously. But, yeah, no, I mean, they uh, it, it, the pitching has been really good a lot of the time. But they're a couple games lately where the bullpen has let you down. And then nights like last night, like you said, I mean, where the pitching's all clicking and they're shutting down a really good Florida offense again. They uh, they couldn't generate much much offense. I mean, Matt Nelson's had an insane year for them. It's uh, pretty crazy he wasn't included on the uh, Golden Spikes watch list that, yeah, that came out today over a couple other ACC catchers. I mean, his uh, uh, friend of the pod, Brett Nevitt, who works for Tomahawk Nation, was uh, pounding that drum a little, saying, <laughs> I don't understand how this can happen. I tend to agree. Nelson's having a remarkable year. He's improved defensively and has power unlike – anything at all he had the first couple of years and he's really led them and obviously of late elijah cabell as well has been really seeing the ball well i think we we saw how early in the year i mean he got bumped out of the lineup pretty quickly as he was still working his way back from an injury he got healthy and he has started hitting a whole bunch of uh kabombs so i mean it's uh the potential is very much still there i mean this is a team that is capable of winning any of those last couple series but they've just got to all piece it together on the day and i mean obviously that's the struggle in a sport like baseball yeah i, I think i think yeah that's pretty much what it boiled down to consistency they, they're talent wise i think you know looking at some of the other teams around the country i think they're just as good as anybody and they've shown that throughout the course of the years just you know can they get can they can, can they have good pitching days but also good offense as well having offensive uh production and that's kind of like that's that's for me that's been the story of the season uh it's really been like that all year it's just that consistency throughout the whole course of the course of the whole entire lineup and also the bullpen and the pitching staff too as well obviously you're not going to win all the games too as well too but uh just to make just to have that offense uh i think which has been a struggle at times as well um, to step up and you know generate some runs too as well and have have the pitching in sync too as well. So yeah, I definitely think yeah, I, like I said, I, I can I, I definitely think it's going to be a big time series too as well. Uh, they definitely need this series against Boston College, especially at home. Um, you you got to have it. You definitely you know a perfect war. You definitely want to sweep too as well, especially losing four out of five games. Um, I think it's very vital and important to do that, especially with um, a really you know key march coming up as you pointed out too where they got a lot of quality opponents also quality opportunities to win some games too as well but uh it's not going to be no pitting it's not going to be easy by any means necessary you got to at this point of the stretch of the season you got to get as many acc wins as possible because you don't know what the acc tournament is going to look like and you don't know how much you might be on the bubble when it comes to selection Oh, yeah. I mean, a week or two ago, I think the debate was more, is Florida State going to play well enough to maybe play itself into hosting contention, at least for a regional, if not a super regional? I'm not saying that's entirely off the table, but they would have to close really strong to get back into that conversation. I think, yeah, I mean, they could find themselves in the bubble. Now, with that top-end pitching talent, with that power in the lineup, they could easily have the look of a two or three seed that no one wants to play. I don't think anybody – I don't think – that would be who you would want to draw as a two or three seed. But like you said, I mean, I, the work's not done yet. There is a world where they miss the tournament. If, if they were to 
drop two out of three kind of the rest of the way and not win many more series is that would uh that would really jeopardize them yeah so. I, yeah i think that's yeah, like i say it's gonna be interesting to see how they play the rest of the way because yeah i think it, like you said it starts out with boston college a series where they they should win uh they hadn't always won the game so they should they should um this season but yeah you gotta you know you gotta you know you gotta get the sweep that's pretty much where it boils down to especially losing four out of five like i think uh it's vital they they ordered to do that this weekend yeah it'll be uh i will be out there out there covering it you'll i know be starting off your uh well-earned vacation so we'll be uh holding down the fort at uh at dick hauser stadium and then i'll be following on uh, vacation shortly after that but uh regardless of that i mean we'll still have uh, plenty of great coverage going on uh nolsports.com and tallahassee.com we appreciate you uh for following reading any of our stuff there if you're a subscriber to to the website we greatly appreciate that it, it means a lot if you get the paper the actual paper delivered to your house even better that's i mean we we appreciate you you being such a strong supporter um we appreciate you hopefully following subscribing listening to the podcast we uh hope you will uh join us next time thanks for listening